Welcome to this podcast. Here we discuss introspection, being, development, and all the good stuff. Welcome. This is Baruch Menashe. Today I want to discuss responsibility, um, its negative connotations, and hopefully some of its positive derivatives. Okay, for one, what is the Western definition of responsibility? We would like to find definitions for things in order to further this conversation. We will find that through hearing this, there'll be some contentious feelings towards the the conversation because it's so embedded in the culture that it's hard to imagine selfhood, existence, philosophy, or whatever outside of this conversation. Or within this conversation. Okay, so how does the Western mind view responsibility? Well, they view life, human beings, as as one who must act in all his or her potential in a manner that is most productive in caring for all that one can. It's this view of taking charge, especially in economic terms. This is a very interesting phenomenon because one might think that societies, and we may find many societies throughout history that viewed the feeling or the the notion of responsibility as something that's not economically depended on, but rather universal based on all of human value, existence, and needs. For if one should take um, accounting, it should be an accounting of everything, right? And we, we were, I'm just realizing that even an accountant, right, is only doing accounting in a monetary form. They're not accounting for anything outside economic standards. So really what it is, this is this connection to, I don't want to say it, but capitalism or more the productive means of society, and that is monetary terms. So what happens is that instead of viewing the whole array of human virtue and possibility and goodness, what happens is man gets isolated into one specific arena and that is the arena of monetary um, virtue the problem is that first of all productivity in the collective world that provides monetary um, stipends is is a complicated issue we may think it's simple but in truth uh, the shoemaker only offers shoes to people who need shoes and so what happens is that what we're really saying is the virtue is man is man's ultimate virtue is to succeed or enact a, a mode of accounting in the realm of the things that people require, need, or want. Okay? Right away we're seeing consumerism come in because... It doesn't matter which one. It's not what people need versus what people want. 
it's what gets people quickest and what gets people quickest is what people want because what people need is a complicated conversation internally and externally and it takes accounting in oneself while what people want is something that's very surface and and simple to produce it's it's much easier to produce what people want than what people need what people need is stimulating relationships conversation community family those things are take a lifetime of work and what people want are, are things that could take seconds to produce so if you make the virtue about accounting for economic independency then one would produce only what is wanted by society hence creating a society that's only getting products that are fulfilling what they want and creating a vacuum of of nobody providing what people need because first of all it's not profitable because of its long-term um you know its long-term productivity it takes a long time to produce what people need and, and also people are unappreciative in a realm of paying monetary stipends for it. You know, uh, a book that could provide insights to the deepest realms of a person and transform their life could cost uh, a very small amount of monetary stipend, but in reality is deserving of, 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 of millions, millions of dollars in some sense. So what people need is not getting... Um, recognized because of its lack of appreciation in oneself meaning the whole society is not walking around saying i rather pay for what i need versus what i want because there's no accounting in the society because society is based on what we're going to provide meaning what's virtuous is to provide to to, to be independent economically but let's move away from the consumerist conversation and move back to the this narrow view of economic independence. Okay, so take the child, right? The child, nobody expects in Western society for a child to be economically independent. Same with the elderly or the handicapped or the one who is, is dealing with any sort of mental, deep mental issue or a variety of other reasons. So right away we're cutting off much of society for the fact that they are incapable of accounting for monetary independence. Okay, so let's stick to the word incapable. Okay, so what we're really saying is the virtue is enacting whatever you are capable of. The question is, what are you capable of? So, is the child capable of no work? I disagree. I think a child could produce a couple hours of simplistic labor. Are they capable? I'm sure they're capable of that. A 15-year-old is very capable of doing something like that. Um, the elderly, they're also very capable in some degree. The 20-year-old capable in another degree the 30 year old 40 year old right there's a variety here there's a scale here okay there's a spectrum of capability yet we're we're partializing in a way where the young the elderly are incapable or not in the conversation in regards to capability and rather anything between the ages of 20 and 60 
is what this conversation is about. So we're we're not really talking about capability and incapability because the six year old has some capabilities and the and the eighteen year old also has some capabilities. Okay, so what is the conversation rather? It's saying that we are going to select a part of the society and tell them that really the the deep the deep components of their life lifespan the higher exposure parts meaning the 20 to 60 ages the is the time of real life in some in, in meaning the 20 year old is fully produces a human being and the 60 year old is 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 in a phase that is is declining in the full sense of the human being so that 20 to 60 age gap is what we're going to demand of society to enact the role of responsibility, specifically in economic terms. Okay, so let's, let's, let's talk about the specific economic terms for a second. Okay, so if a 30-year-old a that's in this bracket is producing virtuous things everywhere around but the economic terms they will not be considered virtuous by default because the society is only looking for people to enact the american dream or the the productivity you know of economic independence so what you're creating is a society that's not just solely obsessed with monetary stipends but a society that cannot value virtue other than monetary stipends. And by default, monetary stipends only comes from, comes quickest or most accessible and most available from the things that people want in the most surface level because of the fact that introspection is required to find out what people actually need. What results is that you're creating um, a pigsty in some sense because... The only virtue is to provide the most surface level things in society. And, and once people are only being provided with the surface level things of society, everybody is just these horrendous human beings because they're only consuming what they want and they're only producing what other people want. It's, 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 it's a chaotic scenario and it's, it's fundamental sense. Okay. But let's understand this because Western philosophy, Western views on things are not that simplistic, and there's there's real reasons for these things. Let's talk about the role of responsibility and include all of virtue, not just the virtue of economic independence. Okay, but, okay, sorry. Let's stop for a second and go back to economic independence. Okay, so what is so fantastic about economic independence? Well, one says, one is able to say the highest... The highest right, the righteous person in, in Western society is one who's able to say that, again, this is changing. This is not current day, but this is an evolution that was existent for a long time, for 50, 60 years. That one is able to say that I am financially independent and I am able to provide for, for the ones that are dependent on me. Okay, so that, that is the ultimate goal of life in this, in this adaptation. Okay, so why would somebody want that ultimate goal? Because there, there's two points here. There's the one, independence, where I'm not dependent on people. And one, um, the dependents are able to rely on me. So there's a paradox here because 
Firstly, I'm saying that independence is the highest virtue against the backdrop of dependence. And then I'm saying that another highest virtue is having dependence depend on me and not have their own independence. And by the way, just as a side note, this is exactly what child raising in Western suburbia is like, where there's this extreme over-dominance of the independence of the adult on the child that's being stripped away of all their independence. They can't, they can't even leave their house in, in a very autonomous way till, till teenage years because, because the parent is the complete independence and the child is completely dependent and the child never gets to gain their own independence. So that being said, what justifies the adult to create a, a value system where independence is the highest thing when they're raising their dependents, their children, to be the most dependent possible on them. So there's this paradox right off the bat, and it's it's destructive on, on children, very much so, and there's big movements on free-range kids and, and all that stuff. Okay, we're changing from this. Again, I'm just, uh, this is more of historical conversation in some sense. But it's, it's important to know what, what we're coming from. Okay, so let's move a little bit. Okay, so the paradox, independence, while pushing the value of dependency. Okay, but what is so great about independence? Well, we're going to discuss monetary, but independence, autonomy, right? Not being a slave. What's so great about not being a slave, being autonomous, that you're making your own decisions. You're, you're conscious of your own decisions. Right off the bat, we're hitting another paradox. A, a conflicting, it's not just a paradox, it's, it's conflicting here. Because, well, you're saying that you want autonomous to have autonomous decisions, yet you're narrowing the independence to just monetary productivity, which is not all choice of human mind. If anything, it's very little of ultimate human choice of life. So, if anything, the whole goal of independent fi financially is actually um, weakening the control of choice and of real decision-making on the broader scheme of things in everything other than financial situations. But hold on a second, we're going to go into financial situations and say, how much control do they even have in the financial situations? Well, the, the setup in the financial world is that you are very dependent on the financial world, which is so funny because the idea is to be independent because, first of all, there's the mortgage. A 30-year mortgage is standard. 30 years of 30, 40-year-old is only at 60 out of the capable responsibility conversation so that they never really own their home in this whole bracket of time because they're dependent on financial institutions to pay for their home. That's one. They're dependent on the car payments. They're dependent on the, the company or whatever they're producing within on the product productivity of that entire collective to continue going and obviously we know the turnaround rate is about 20 years for a fortune 500 company for sure for smaller companies in some sense so in that bracket they're going to have to move around in that collective company so they're not really independent financially at all and so much so okay so 
even if they have the independence of finances, they've they've given so much of their choice making and finances to the the extremely dependent financial world. Okay. What's so great about independence? Because one who's independent is an acting selfhood in a courageous way. Maybe. What does that mean? Well, they're going to be able to, as a self, as a person, they're going to be able to step where they want, walk where they want. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, they're going to be able to swipe their card in whatever place they want to go. That That's only allowing 0.01% of all decision makings in the stride of men. Right? Because not everybody wants to go and swipe their card in this convenience store or in this in this furniture store. That's not that's not a choice that everybody wants to make or even considers making. So what happens is that they're not really gaining more stride in their life by being able to go where they want. In truth they're they have a little bit more option in the world and in terms of what they do and how they orient themselves in the world because of their financial access but that financial access costs them most of their day most of their emotional state and most of their choice making so surely whatever sacrifice they made for this financial access is being sacrificed is at a loss compared to what they truly have in their choice making okay and we i always find this um somewhat uh comedic when you see affluent people getting out and and using their financial ac access in some some sense but not really being able to orient themselves within it because they're solely dedicated most of their life Besides the times that you see them out. And most of the time they're dedicated to gaining this financial access. Now that they have it, they don't really know how to orient themselves in the financial access. Because, okay, now you have it, but you haven't explored everything else other than the financial access. So they're just like, they're struggling like hobos in this, in this, in this luxury. And then, and then I find on the other side this comedic aspect of like, one who has no financial access but like is exploring some deep sense in, in their immediate surroundings and and all all are looking at them in this profound way like wow like the musician that's playing on the road like the affluent person passing by on their new vacation is looking at them in admiration which is so strange why are you admiring this person who obviously sacrifice financial access because they're playing for a few meager pennies on the street and and why are you admiring that you should be admiring the financial access people you should be on vacation looking at the financial access people that have gained financial access instead of admiring some random musician who sacrificed all financial access to to be doing something that's more exploratory in the realm of music and spiritual self and all the deep senses of life that uh, a traveling musician on the road would be experiencing. Okay, so independent. 
right? So that's what we're covering right now, independent. But only in financial terms, right? One wouldn't say that the philosophy of Western civilization is to be independent in physical self-defense, right? If somebody finds one who is not able to perform self-defense adequately, one wouldn't say that that is an irresponsible person. Yet, in terms of life and death, in terms of protecting their dependents, all their financial access wouldn't wouldn't help them. Rather, only self-defense would actually help them. So in terms of the deepest sense, the deepest protection, right? Man protects their family. That only occurs when one is when one is actually engaging in in self-defense, you know, focus and activities and such. And we could imagine a society like the Greeks, the Romans, and many other societies where more the Greeks and the Romans in different eras of the Greeks, but we could imagine societies where a responsible person is one who knows how to fight and defend themselves and defend their dependents. More, way more than the financial access because one knows that life is protecting life would be way more important than protecting one's financial access. Okay. That's one point. What what other independence can be obtained that is outside of the realm of financial independence that actually would be worth more? And that is understanding the needs of the dependents. This is this is just it's amazing how um, problematic this view of life is and how destructive it is. Now, I don't believe actually that one fully adapts to this philosophy. There are those that do and they and they get very they get stuck in greed and they spend time dealing with the law and circumventing the law and and whatnot, but just even even to uh, entertain this partially is is also problematic. But let's continue. The needs of the dependents. Now, if one didn't know the needs of the dependents, then no matter how much financial independence and access they have, they don't know how to tend to those dependents. So if the dependents need things that they, whatever they need, truly need, wouldn't be a quick financial fix. Like if they needed an emotional um, exper uh, development, emotional fix, that's not going to work with a financial fix. And we might say that the therapist, the psychologist could be paid for, but that, that that's not usually the case. And especially because they're tr they're dependent on someone. They're dependent on 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 the head of the household to provide much of those things. Um, and whatever those needs are are usually not financially applicable. They're not things that could be fixed with financial. And rather, they're dependent on on an array of things. And I don't want to mention because we we get the point. An array of things that have nothing to do with financial access that one who is independent only in finances 
would never be able to entertain because they're solely focused on independence and finances. Secondly, not just on that, one who's independent financially is dependent on the financial system, as we discussed. Now, that financial system is not independent because it's dependent on other financial systems. And what happens is that if some tsunami hits in some random place and affects and rolls in 2008, whatever, the housing crisis, it rolls, and then it can hit home, it can hit the financial independence in a way that, that demonstrates that there was never financial independence. It was just dependent on bigger collectives that were dependent on bigger collectives that could all tumble even faster than one who's not dependent at all. Because the collective, when one falls, everybody falls. So as, as everything crumbles, it hits back onto the person who thinks they're financially independent, only to realize that they're not. And this actually is what we could imagine the experience of a Western person when they get fired from a 20, 30-year job. They all of a sudden experience this existential crisis because they were solely focused on the financial independence that was dependent on a company that didn't need them, that there wasn't that 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 didn't 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 believe that they were somebody that's relevant to the situation, and in in essence they said that you are not financially independent. When they fired them, they said you are not, and now they're just existential because there's nothing left of value of system because financial independence is not there. You can imagine. Every other society of ancient world, of, of Middle Ages, of every other society, when one got fired, it would be a day of depression and then moving on. But in this world, there, there's a value system that's getting destroyed, not just somebody's financial stipend for the week or for the month. And what's worse is this, this person who's financially independent actually created a surrounding of financial dependencies because... No one gets to a place or most don't get to a place where they're they're outside of the banking system for their house or outside of the banking system for their car or of all the necessities. And they're deeply dependent on that. So when they get fired from their job, not only are they facing an existential crisis because there's no value system left because their entire value system being financially independent of having a job, right? Being jobless is, is, is the worst experience existentially in the United States, which is just just the idea of that is so so toxic and in the realm of the human array of virtue and and sin, right? Like we're viewing sinful as being jobless as opposed to viewing sinful in terms of the full array of human goodness and badness, whatever that philosophical conversation is. Now this person's getting fired. Not only are they losing their 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 value system, they're also losing their um also they're they're falling on an extreme amount of dependencies financially. Not only are they losing their independence, they're becoming deeply dependent because they were already dependent before they got fired because they created a a system of credit cards and of banking, of mortgages that that put them in a sphere where they were already dependent financially, assuming they took they 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 
they told people, they told themselves that they were financially independent, but they were really surrounding themselves with deep amounts of dependencies. And they were, and when that, that fake, that mirage of independency financially falls away, what happens is they actually realize that they're like their own children, deeply dependent on the banks and all, all these systems. Now, that is the cause for a deep depression and sadness. And, you know, the fix is most strange. They just get back on the horse and try to get the financial independence that's not actually independence in order to get to a place where they're not dependent on the surrounding banks and whatever that they're actually dependent on, which they're not because they don't get that fix. I mean, I think I've said enough to to convince that this is a problematic view. And after the 2000s, I would say the 2010s and after the 2008, I think there was a deep awareness collectively of, of this narrow purview of life as troublesome and insufficient in the home because one who just brings home financial security and we discussed how that's not security and we discussed that there's many other forms of security that are far more important in the scheme of things when one brings home that financial security they neglect everything else so what is the home this place of producing financial creations is that what the home is? A, a reason to 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 be financially independent? Is would we say that according to this philosophy, the home, because all that is the home is financial independence, is to create financial independence. Which I mean Aristotle would be baffled by baffled by such a view because I believe that he even him he would he would say that the home is almost not even that, the financial um, productivity of the home. It's the, whatever, it's the roles and the, and the politics and the, and the, and the way it's oriented and who's, who's doing what and way deeper aspects of the home. And so what results is that it's problematic, this view, whatever. And there's a need for a recarving of, of what it means to be a Western person and the value of things and virtue. And we notice this with virtue signaling and there's a new conversation of what is considered virtuous. And corporations have jumped on that because they're starting to act virtuous, meaning what we do is not just about productivity and what people want. We have to take into account a new set of laws of virtue which is a step in the right direction but it falls short because it's just being eaten by the the first philosophy the first philosophy hasn't fell and it's just that they'll they'll take into account these things in terms of consumerism in terms of these things now this is inevitable that that is the prog progress to some bigger virtuous society but till then this is what we're going to have to deal with now um the the big argument and i've heard let's create the 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 devil's advocate side of this um 
what so a person shouldn't take care of their dependents like that that would be the big or a person shouldn't take responsibility of finances in the world the collective so i would say like this i don't think that taking away this view is advocating for a world where people are not tending to the collective i just think that tending to the collective is a complicated thing and what people need and want are, are very complicated and one should pay attention to the collective but in terms of the bigger scheme of things not in terms of finances and, and finance finance whatever it is you know um and the same goes for the home like it's good to take care of your dependents but that doesn't mean dependents all need is money people can't even eat money you know and it's and we find this very much when when things break down in society when when money currency falls and when there's chaos like all of a sudden this this financial independent conversation falls away so if it can't stand in the times of crisis in the times of chaos then it shouldn't be standing in the in the in the regular day life that 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 should be pretty explanatory um and and I, I'm just quote Aristotle again. He says that one who focuses on the mediator of the collective productivity, meaning money, as opposed to what are you producing and what does society need, when they focus on the medium, that is that is a core evil because they're not, they're in a way. This is my my version. In a way, they're manipulating society because they're saying. I'm not taking care of you. I'm taking care of this medium. And as long as I get this medium, then I'm quote unquote taking care of you. And, and he says, that's why, um, you know, interest is such an evil thing because it's sole focus is to make more of the medium. That is the contract between me and you that we're going to trade goods because we need money because I can't just pick up my I can't just pick up this large item and transfer it to you and you can't we can't sit there trading goods so we're going to have this medium but instead of recognizing that it's just a form of trading goods and really the point is to produce to, to offer goods to the world to offer what people want we're we're focusing on the medium which is the finances aspect and how to produce more of the medium and and that's manipulating the contract between one person and another person. Um, and so, yeah, even according to Aristotle, obviously there's there's each person should be producing their good, in in order to trade goods in order to survive. But that being said, it's just in producing what you produce on a larger scale. If you're a far, whatever you do, whatever you're comfortable in, you just do that in a way where it's excess. And once it's excess, you go and you trade it on the free market and someone else's excess is for you. So you produce the potatoes and they produce the, the corn and then there's this trade. And then the same thing with philosophy. They're producing, you know, uh, physicality and one is producing ideas. They're producing music and they're producing, you know, films and everybody's producing something. It doesn't have to be food essentials, but as long as there's a trade in the market and its focus is not about the financial independence, but rather 
I love what I do. I produce it. I'll do it even if it's not financially um, satiating or whatever. But and then everybody's happy because everybody's getting real products, real and there's real trade going on, and there's not a betrayal of the contract of trade by one getting stuck in the medium, which is money. Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, thanks. Thanks for listening. And if you would like to see the video version of this, check out my channel on YouTube.